in thinking about it and looking at it, I wonder if you've ever been taken out of your comfort zone by some of the stories that I've shared of people that have gone to places, often out-of-the-way places, often hostile places, to take the good news of Jesus. And I wonder if you've been thinking, gee, would I do that? I want to tell you, I think that we shift out of our comfort zones or are challenged to shift out of our comfort zones fairly regularly each week. Um, It's happened for us as a church. Uh, We have the Lakeside Church at Youngborough, and that was a shift in our comfort zone, wasn't it? You know, um, we miss not seeing those people every week. We miss not having them uh, in regular contact. And yet God has led us that way. So for us, it's a little bit of adjustment, a little bit of changing things for some people stepping up to do jobs that have been left open by those that have moved to, uh, to Younger Bar or to the church at Younger Bar. I wonder if sometimes we're challenged to move out of our comfort zone, but we don't. Let me tell you a story. In this story, oops, how are we going, guys? We lost all pictures. This story is called The Black Door. And it's a story out of history. Some people think it's uh, real. Some people think it's a legend. Let me just walk you through this story. Many generations ago, during one of the most turbulent of desert wars in the Middle East, there we go, a spy was captured and sentenced to death by the conquering general of the Persian army. Not a nice thing. He was a spy. He was caught. The general was an intelligent man. He was also a, a compassionate man. And he'd had, he had adopted a strange and unusual custom when it came, came to captured enemy soldiers. It was strange to those days as well. It wasn't a usual custom. He per- permitted the condemned person to make a decision, to make a choice. The prisoner could either face the firing squad or pass through the black door. Face the firing squad or pass, pass through the black door. And as the moment of execution drew closer, the general ordered the spy, in this case, to be brought before him for a short final interview. The primary purpose of that interview was to receive the answer of the doomed man to the query, what shall it be, the firing squad or the black door? What decision would you have made? Not an easy decision. And the prisoner hesitated, but soon made it known that he much preferred the firing squad, to the unknown horrors that might wait for him behind the ominous and mysterious door. Not long thereafter, a volley of shots rang out in the courtyard and they announced the grim sentence had been fulfilled. The general was looking down at his boots and he turned to his aide and he said to him, you see how it is with mere men? They will always prefer the known way to the unknown. It is a characteristic of people to be afraid of the undefined. Yet I gave him his choice. What lies behind the black door? The aide asked. Freedom, replied the general. And I've known only a few brave enough to take it. Everybody thought there was horrors behind the black door. Worse than death, not everybody. A few brave people opted for the black door and gain their freedom. The comfort zone, believe it or not, was to stand in front of a firing squad. I don't know how comfortable you'd feel with that. To stand in front of a firing squad rather than face the unknown. Sometimes God asks us 
to move out of our comfort zone. Hopefully it won't be in front of a firing squad. But he may ask us to go through a a door or a a choice or a uh, change of geographical location not knowing what's going to happen there. We're getting shifted out of our comfort zone. Someone, someone has described our comfort zone as, as, as this. Let's see. Are we on? Yeah. Thanks, guys. Just ticket ahead one. A definition of the comfort zone, we'll get there in a minute, is this. The behavioral, the behavioral space, the things that we do in our, our space or our, where we live, our routines, our activities, we use to minimise stress and risk. That's our comfort zone. Anything that we use that minimises our stress or risk, that's our comfort zone, whatever it might be. And it's also a way to control what affects us. You know, like if we step outside our comfort zone, then we can't always control what's going to affect us. So we define that boundary. And we, and we decide that within this comfort space is where we'll live. I wonder about, I want to look at today how people have moved outside their comfort zones over the history of this world because God has asked them to do something that was amazing. Acts chapter 1 and verse 3 up on the board there. Jesus made this promise. Um, he, he said to them, or he actually appeared to them, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So after his resurrection, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. What did he say to them next? Thanks, Merv. No, I'm trying to get this going. Not working. Next, next screen. Thank you. He said in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then this, after this, he ascends to heaven right before their eyes and then they return to the upper room. How many people were in that upper room? Do you remember? There's the 11 remaining disciples and around about approximately 120 people were in that upper room. So chapter verse 15 tells us. For some of those believers, some of those followers in that room that day, they were in a comfort zone. They were relieved, I have no doubt, to be in that room. It gave them permission to hide from those that were trying to chase them, to remain in their comfort zone. Even though they had an uncertain future, many of them would have been happy to sit tight and not do anything. Now, I guess we need to ask our question, would that have been me? Would that have been my comfort zone? Hide away in, the upper, in, the, in that room uh, and, and just not sure of the future. But for others... I have no doubt that this period of waiting was way out of their comfort zone. I have no doubt that for others, they were just itching to get out there and do what Jesus told them to do. But, but they had to wait because the promise was to wait for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit had come, then they could go. So can you imagine some of the people who were chomping at the bit out of the disciples or some of the followers that were action people? So their comfort zone wasn't in the building. It would have been outside the building doing what God wanted them to do. But they had to wait. They had to pray. They elected another disciple. And they asked them to remain. 
Where was the end of the earth for them? That's where we're up to things. We're up to this one. Where was the end of the earth for them? The end of the earth for those people was probably Spain. Their known world of the day, the, um, the Roman world of the day, saw the ends of the earth as Spain. And Jesus asked them to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And I wonder what they were thinking of when he said that. One uh, commentator, a guy by the name of Ben Witherington, wrote this, and it's a fairly long one, so we'll skip through a few panels there. He said, The ending of the book of Acts makes it clear that Luke's purpose wasn't simply to chronicle the life and death of Paul, but rather the rise and spread of the gospel and of the social and religious movement to which it gave birth. Lucas provided a theological history that traces the spread of the good news from Jerusalem to Rome, from the eastern edge of the Roman Empire into its very heart. Rome wasn't seen in Luke's day as the edge of the known world. And so the reader would know very well that Jesus' mission to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth was still going on in his own day. So it was still happening in Luke's day. However, for Luke, it was critical and symbolic that the message reached the heart and the hub of the empire as a challenge to Caesar and a gateway to the ends of the earth. The open-mindedness that the modern reader senses in the ending of Acts is intentional. The open-mindedness. Luke is chronicling not the life and times of Paul or any other early Christian leader, which would have a definite conclusion, but rather a phenomenon and a movement that was continuing and alive and well in his own day. For Luke, Paul's story is really about the unstoppable word of God which no obstacle, no shipwreck, no snakebite, no Roman authorities could hinder from reaching the heart of the empire and the hearts of those who lived there. Did you hear what he said about the fact that the open-endedness of the book of the Acts was intentional? Why? Because the story wasn't finished yet. The church was going out to the ends of the world. The gospel was going out to the ends of the world. Jesus' mission was going out. And the reader's got swept up in this great unfinished story. Do we see ourselves in that same way? Do we see the ends of the earth as continuing to move? In St. Patrick's time, we looked at uh, Patrick uh, when he was uh, taken as a teenager from Wales to serve as a servant in um, Ireland. Spent six years there, drew closer to God. God enabled him to get out of Ireland, back to his home where he studied to become a priest. But God challenged him to go back to that country of Ireland and to take the good news of Jesus with him, which he did faithfully. But he would have had to get out of his comfort zone. Where he went. And the Roman, uh, or the, the people of the day, Ireland was, to the, was the ends of the earth. In fact, you went past Ireland and you dropped off the end of the earth. That's what they thought. So God had challenged Steve, uh, Patrick to go to the ends of the earth. I wonder, I wonder, do we realize that the, the mission to the ends of the earth is continuing to expand? Thanks, Merv. We talked about China, Japan. The gospel has gone to the Philippines, to Korea, to India, all those places. Geographically, the gospel has gone out from Jerusalem to the uttermost part of the earth. 
So what is it for us today? don't know if you're into uh, Google Maps or Google Earth. Anybody looked up Google Earth of recent days? Just to have a look around the region? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it amazing? You can nearly zoom in and you can nearly see every square inch of the world. Do we talk about square centimetres? No, that's not a saying. It's a square inch. You can nearly see every part of the world in good detail through the photos that have been uploaded to Google Earth. And yet, reached all those places yet. We can fly to, or we can travel to nearly every country in the world when it happens again. But the gospel hasn't been taken to every part of the earth yet. There's still places that haven't heard the good news of Jesus. Are we going to give that video clip a try, Merv, and see if it, no sound? Okay. Just so happens that I made some notes about it when I was watching it. Thank you. Next, uh, into part two then, Merv, of that, of that, uh, PowerPoints. Next one down after the video. The ends of the earth these days is not about geography because the, the world is now a globalised world. So what happens in one part of the world is easily found out about, relatively easily found about in, in another part of the world. And so when we hear Jesus saying to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the other parts of the earth, we have to think not so much geographically now, but we have to think globally. Because we have the technology, we have the abilities to do that. And if Jesus is going to be the game changer in people's lives that we believe he is, that we've experienced, then we have to think about what is our to the ends of the earth. What is our to the ends of the earth? Have you got that first screen up there, Merv? Thanks, mate. For some of us, it could be across the street. That could be the ends of the earth for us, across the street. In our major metropolitan cities, in our rural towns, there are people moving in across the street. There are people moving in down the road that we could share the gospel with. I don't know if you've noticed in Atherton lately, but a lot of the houses that have been for sale are sold. There's not many on the market at the moment. There's a lot of new people moving in to our town. So across the street could be to their end of the world. What about across the cultural divide? Now, I'm talking about those that uh, are from different generations, the millennials, or I don't know what the next one's called, but uh, learning the language, learning to identify with people of different age groups, different backgrounds, different family makeup. The communities that we live in are no longer places that are, uh, uh, are uh, one type of people, uh, places of a variety of people. So we can take the ends of the earth as being across the cultural divide. The third thing is, have you ever thought about across the table being the ends of the earth? What do I mean by that? I mean your family. Not only your family, your, your intimate family that you meet with uh, regularly or occasionally, because the gospel is still relevant for, for them if they haven't discovered Jesus. We are the salt and the light of the, earth, of the world, Jesus says to us as his followers, and so we need to be able to share everyday moments with people across the table. But it may not just be family or friends. It may be those social contacts that, that you're um, having a coffee with or a dinner with or a meal with occasionally. Across the table is to the ends of the earth for us, for some of us. But for some of us, God may be asking us to go across the hard places, the places that are a little bit more difficult to get to, the communities where the gospel is particularly challenging to. Could be followers of a different religion. 
could be uh, followers of academia in universities, could be those where uh, the culture is one of dismissal and divisiveness because the gospel brings order and respect. Those are some of the hard places that God is asking us to go to. Not all of us, but some of us. Perhaps across the places where faith has been forgotten. In my role as regional minister for Queensland Baptist, I talk with pastors and leaders from the Baptist churches in Ingham right through to Cooktown. And uh, in many of those places, there are people living in those towns that would be labelled as a certain faith or even denomination, but wouldn't darken the doorstep of a church and their, their life, language and attitude would be not, not be that of followers of Jesus. And yet at one stage, they probably have a clear understanding of what faith is. So they are people of forgotten faith. And the Western nations are the ones where this has happened the most. The uh, faith aspect has become a name badge only rather than a life day-by-day reality. For many years, the, the missions were going from the West to the rest of the world, to the East or whatever. And now the reverse in mission is happening. South Koreans are the second largest mission-sending country in the world and they're sending people from uh, South Korea to the rest of the world. Africa sees the Western nations as their mission field. Missions is now from everywhere to everywhere. Not just the West to the rest, but from everywhere to everywhere. To the hard places included. And maybe God is challenging us, some of us here today, to go to those hard places to take the gospel there for him. And there are still places in our world across the globe where those who have not heard There are still places where the um, translation of language is required so that people might read and hear the gospel in their own language. What about us? What are we called to do? How are we equipped? Where will we go? Jesus said at the start, or we said at the start, that Jesus' disciples and some of the greatest missionaries throughout history all had one thing in common. They were ordinary people who made Jesus' last words their first priority. Ordinary people who made Jesus' last words their first priority. And as God filled them with his Holy Spirit, they stepped out of their comfort zone, they devoted themselves to God, they had faith, they endured persecution, they endured opposition, they were a part of God's plan to make everything new when Jesus comes again. What about us? How are we called to go to the ends of the earth? What will we do? Let's pray. Father, Jesus has made an impact on our lives. Jesus has died for us. He's risen again. He's forgiven us for our sin. He's given us uh, purpose for every new day and, and hope for the future. And we thank you and praise you for that. And Lord, we know there are many in our own community and further afield 
that don't have that same knowledge and understanding and relationship with the true and living God. Lord, we pray that you might help us to know what the ends of the earth means to each one of us and that we won't hesitate to go there with you in the power of your spirit, with the good news of Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. So, just to summarise, where are your ends of the earth? Where are your ends of the earth? Who is God calling you to? Is God calling you to an individual? Is he calling you to a family? Is he calling to your own family? Is he calling to you to your street? Do you have an openness to go? Are you willing, like Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me? Are you willing to count the cost? It will mean being away from family. It will mean uh, trusting God in faith for, for, for the cost of living. Will you have faith in God, just like Gary shared earlier? Faith in God for the results. Do what God asks you to do. Trust him for the results. And that's what it means to go to the end of the earth to take the good news of Jesus with us wherever we go. Let's pray. Father God, we are your people and you have called us to yourself. We're so glad that we're a part of your family now and forever. And Father, it, it, it grieves your heart and it grieves our hearts when we interact with people every day who won't even give a second thought to faith in Jesus, won't even give a... a, a, a the time for a conversation to consider the claims of Jesus. Father, we pray that as we live consistent lives as followers of Jesus, as we have the opportunities to speak out what we know to be true and what we believe, that, Father, somehow you'll draw people to yourself. We know that that's your job. Our job is to share the good news, to live the life of Jesus in front of people. Your job is to convict of sin and to bring people to repentance and to help them to surrender to Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And we trust you to do that. Lord, thank you for the journey that you've got us on. Thank you that uh, to the ends of the earth for us might be across the street, across the neighbor, across the table, could be going where you want us to go. We pray that you'll lead us in... ends of the earth for you are, I'd love to sit down and have a coffee and chat with you further about what God's saying to you. Please take me up on that. Call the team up again and we're going to finish with a song this morning. Uh, One of the other songs that we've been learning since the beginning of the year, Build Your Kingdom Here.